literature sound like? What stories will we hear if we listen to the archive? Welcome to the Spoken Web Podcast, stories about how literature sounds. My name is Hannah McGregor, and each month I'll bring you different stories of Canadian literary history and our contemporary responses to it, created by scholars, poets, students, and artists from across Canada. When we listen to recorded poetry, taking the time to attend closely to the recording, to tune into the rhythm, the cadence, the sense of space and place, new connections and intimacies emerge. This month on the Spoken Web podcast, we're excited to share with you the new Soundbox Signals podcast, inviting us to listen in close to UBC Okanagan's Soundbox collection. Produced by the Spoken Web team at UBC Okanagan's AMP Lab, Soundbox Signals brings literary archival recordings to life through a combination of curated close reading and conversation. Hosted and co-produced by Karis Shearer, each episode is a conversation featuring a curator and two special guests. Together, they listen, talk, and consider what a selected recording signifies in the contemporary moment— and ask what listening allows us to know about cultural history. In this episode, Spoken Web's Karis Shearer, curator Mathieu Aubin, and guests invite us into a close listening of Bill Bissett's previously unpublished poem from around 1966. Here is Karis Shearer with Is That Me? Episode 1 of Soundbox Signals. Shearer and I'm joined today at UBC Okanagan by guest curator Mathieu Aubin, who recently finished his PhD with a dissertation entitled Here and Queer in Vancouver, which touches on the work of Bill Bissett. Also joined by Lauren Sinclair, who is a computer science major, data science minor, and is the president of the Quantitative Science Course Union here at UBCO. Also joined by our podcast producer extraordinaire, Noor Salam, who is uh, pursuing her honors English degree here at UBCO. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, we are here today to listen to a clip by Bill Bissett. So we're going to rewind to 1966 and listen to that recording, uh, which is part of our Soundbox collection here at UBCO. This well-palpitating jelly gold Whirp, sing, beef, tomato You got that, should be enough Look like needles and watches and 
fires and her greenly splotch us belly holes and ice and stitches and wrestle them water in hay wires. Is that blood on my pillow? Is that me splurged there? Be coming a puddle in their sitting room. Is that me on the windowsill in worm slice ooze? How did she do it at feet radiators and a swerp being unslow on my, you know, keep wishing we were in his 40 cent bed. This is the second we left Istanbul, which is Mediterranean. So what you just heard is um, a clip from a longer recording uh, made on magnetic tape. It's on Reel to Reel, probably made by Warren Tallman. It was part of his collection um, and is uh, by poet Bill Bissett. Uh, Matthew, do you want to give us a little bit more context of this recording? Yeah, of course. So in this recording, what we have is, if it is in fact from 1966, as the material the tape indicates, Bill Bissett is likely around 26 or 27 years old. Um, it is one of the earliest recordings that we have of Bill Bissett reading his work. And what he's reading in the, in the recording as a whole beyond this clip is some poems that have been published later on in some format in We'd Sleep Inside Each Other All, which was published by Ganglia Press in Toronto in 1966. And one of the exciting things about this clip in particular is that this poem was never published. As Bill Bissett indicates, lines of this poem were published in other poems, such as Veronica, which have been, which were previously unpublished and now published in his new Bogotan books called Breath. Um, but otherwise, this is an unpublished poem, and what we have access to is a really raw Bill Bissett and a very youthful Bill Bissett, which you can tell by his voice. And what's really exciting about this as well is um, we don't really know where it took place necessarily. Based on Bill, it possibly was recorded with Warren Tallman, but also perhaps with Doug Geisman, who he recorded with a lot. And we don't have access to any sense of audience, which is a little odd for people who are often used to going to his readings and hearing the audience banter back with him. There's mostly silence between the, the poems, which uh, gives it a different feeling. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. It's um, it was an exciting recording to discover, um, in the sense that I think um, the performance is uh, quite different from Bill's typical performances today. Mm -hmm. Lauren, you were one of the early listeners to this recording. You helped digitize it, um, and. It's a it's a strange and fascinating style of reading to encounter, isn't it? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about like your impressions of it, what it reminds you of in terms of style? Yeah, like it sounds almost robotic and it, it definitely is not based in sounding robotic because it's from the 60s. But um, to me, when I first listened to it, it almost sounded like um, a literal voice translation of like sticking the poem into a machine and having it be played out. Um, like when he speaks, it sounds almost spliced together and not like he's speaking in the actual moment. Like it's um, kind of like a, a collage mm. of, of words in a way. Like if you took a bunch of words from a magazine and kind of just stuck them together and read it out. That's that's kind of the impression it gave me when I first heard it. Yeah, it has a kind of um, very chopped version of it. Nor you were thinking about some of how... Um, 
the way in which the style is connected to the content of the poem and that kind of fragmentation that we're hearing both stylistically but then also um, within kind of the body of the poem. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that fragmentation is playing out here? Yeah, it's um, a lot like what Lauren was saying. It's very spliced and um, it does give off the feeling that it's a little bit like a collage, which I find really interesting because the fragmentation kind of gives you um, that feeling of isolation that he is experiencing from the body. Like when he says... um, is that me splurged there becoming a puddle? Is it me on the windowsill? Is that my body? Um, you really get that sense of fragmentation and isolation, especially in the way he reads it and the way he sounds out the words and pauses between them. Mm-hmm. There's um, a kind of an alienation almost from the body, isn't yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, an alienation from, from the body. I picked up on it specifically through the way he sounds out and pauses between all the words or or pieces them together in in a way that if you if he was just saying them and if he was just speaking in a non-performative way maybe you wouldn't have picked up on that yeah because we're getting like you know we're getting a lot of like the blood is that blood on my pillow right that's part of him but he's also seeing it right so there's you know there's the speaker is looking at pieces of himself um he's a puddle he's you know, his blood on the pillow. Yeah. Um, so that contributing. And, the, and mm-hmm. the form of questioning too. He, it's It almost gives you the sense that he's unsure. Is it me? Is it someone else? Like what, a, what am I, what am I looking at? That's a great observation. That's that kind of like uncertainty around yeah. what he's perceiving. Yes, exactly. Definitely. Sounds wonderful. Um, Matt, I'm going to come over to you and ask you a little bit about um, this, you know, continuing on this question of style Mm -hmm. of reading. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how this style that we're hearing here Mm -hmm. um, that Noor and Lauren just um, talked about in terms of its fragmentation, um, the kind of almost computerized voice, which Mm -hmm. is so curious, you know, 1966. um, It's not modeled after anything that, you know, we would necessarily uh, that we're familiar with now. how does the style that we're hearing here differ from um, Bissett's contemporary performance style? Yeah, there are so many great threads that you've been bringing up so far in the sense of the te- technology, perhaps, or technological voice in some sense. And uh, Bill is Bill Bissett's very much interested in that idea of like, well, he's using the typewriter to write most of his poems and like that idea of like, what is a tape recorder perhaps be able to bring to it too? What does it mean to become maybe like a robot in that sense? Um, but the, but the, the question of collage too is is essential to his art practice. He's often thinking about intersplicing different lines of poems in his oral performance of the poetry. And even on the page, he's really thinking about putting things together and collaging them literally. So I really like that observation that in the sense of like what you're hearing, which also carries over to the page. What we have here in this recording is a really young Bill Bissett. And what surprised me when I first heard this last spring was that youth youthfulness and having been to many of his readings in the past few years, what surprised me was some of the elements that were perhaps different or maybe missing that I was expecting. And perhaps it's because of it being a, maybe an early recording or the fact that it's in a private context. But there's something to be said about the private versus the public. When he's reading in the public context, there's an audience very much knowing his work and are able to respond to him. And he's very humorous in his performance. You still hear that a bit in this recording. However, the humor, 
depends on obviously an audience responding to it. And that's not as present in this recording. The other thing too that I'm surprised is there's no instrument that's being played in this. And he's known for having a maracas on stage very often and, you know, chanting with it. And there's no humana that he talked, you know, ways of like bringing different lines together. And what, what doesn't surprise me though, is when I found out that this is a poem that was of course never published, but has lines that have been published in other poems is this improvisational aspect of it. And part of his performance today is still that idea of improvising and working with things. And um, I was re-watching some of his performances on YouTube the other day, and I thought it was really interesting that he'd often stop with philosophical questions. Those kinds of questions that Nora's bringing up are, are in this poem, but of course are being asked differently. So I think there are a lot of similarities, but there's, of course, a development in that idea of the public audience listening that, that, that isn't in here. Yeah, I like that. So you're seeing a kind of, or hearing a through yeah. line from this early work through to his performance now, mm -hmm. but also seeing some of the differences, particularly around the live audience, right? Yes. The improvisation, the responding to the audience. We hear that a lot in his contemporary work. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to come back to, uh, to Noor, and I want to ask you about, again, the question of listening. We're hearing a lot of onomatopoeia and like real sound play here around words. We hear words like ooze mm -hmm. that are really, that really play out in a way that um, that point to or signify the concept that they um, that they represent. Can you point to a couple other moments um, where we're hearing that sound play? Yeah, um, specifically in in the beginning of the recording that we heard, um, there's a theme of liquids mm -hmm. going on, and you can hear that a lot in the specific words like ooze and like palpitation jelly that he he like splices or like stresses and and so on and um splurged and, and words like that where he is really emphasizing that um the idea of liquids but also like the theme of fluidity which is really interesting to me because of the fragmentation of the poem. Yeah. It's kind of a tension between like the chopping up of words, right? Palpitation, yeah. which is about poking, right? Yeah. And, and then the, the like oozing. And yeah. The, the elongation of yeah. those sounds to signify liquid or fluid, fluidity. Yeah. It truly is a, it's, it's a very masterful reading, I think, of what he's, he's trying to portray. Yeah, that's nice. Um, Matt, do you want to say, I mean, we're hearing, there's so many, there's so much sound play in mm -hmm. this particular um, performance, particular poem. Can you comment a little bit about um, what we're not hearing in this particular recording? Yeah, so so again, I I think the, of course, we, we have those sounds and like the vocalization and the polyvocality that we were talking about here and like the playing with that. But what, again, what, to, to return to my earlier point about what I don't hear in the recording is one, an audience, which surprises me. Because I know that based on what he shared with me, Bill is not reading alone in this room. What would the person be responding to? Were they responding at all? Were they maybe having a cigarette, let's say? Or did, what were they doing? Were they just casually listening? If not, if, if there is no audience or no response from the audience, because there likely is an audience, what does it mean for him to just be reading it this way? And it is a work in process or progress or whatever you want to call it, but he's reciting this. And I am thinking back to this close listening that we did last summer at Congress and Jason Camelot talked about the idea of, it sounds like almost like a recitation of the poem and knowing a bit more context about the poem, it, it sounds about right. And that it, it is just him working through the poem that mean 
that never ended up being published. But the the other part that I I'm surprised that I don't hear is you know the musicality and almost like a sense of uh, a lack of banter, which is so essential to his practice today. There's just banter, and he he'll stop and say something hilarious in the middle of the poem, and then go on to read the poem. The hit, here, what you have is someone who is just reading the poem, and of course emphasizing certain words like splurge, um, but he's also like very much going through the poem. And something we we might not hear too is what is the context? Are we in a living room? We kind of hear the hum in the background of the digital, uh, the, not the digital, the analog technology and, and the recording, but we have zero idea of where this takes place. We're, we're assuming that this is in Vancouver if it is in fact with Warren Tallman, but we, we don't hear that. And then the other thing too is often when you see him on stage, he's opening up a water bottle or all those other kinds of sounds, but this is such a crisp recording that makes you think, okay, what is he, is he just sitting here at a table reading his poem? Um, and another, in other parts of the recording though, you hear him turn a page and that poem is from, we sleep inside each other and all And What's interesting is the poem has even been changed. So looking at the archival material, my partner, Emma Middleton was thinking about like, okay, well, is it exactly how it sounds in, uh, in, in the recording? And it's not. So what are the pages? How is he is how is he going through this? So we know at least that we can hear the page. So he has that, but we have n- very limited context about that. Yeah. So in the I mean in the body of recordings that we have of Bill Bissiter that are available online for listening um, and Penn Sound, for example, mm-hmm. this becomes quite an unusual yes. example because of that kind of studio quality, if you will, um, quite uncharacteristic of Bill Bissett. So um, it strikes me that one of the research questions that a person could pursue would be to map the arc of the recordings and so maybe to kind of point out where we start to see some of the contemporary style that we have. Lauren, I'm going to go over to you and I want to ask you this kind of uh, question around um, the difference between the studio recording and the live recording. You're a real music fan, I know. Um, And so my question for you is like, what is for you the difference between the studio recording and listening to, I mean, not necessarily experiencing the live show, but hearing the live recording? Yeah. Of something. Do you have a preference, um, and what you know, what are you listening for in those contexts, and what makes those um, different for you? Yeah, I guess it it really depends on what you're listening for, and more of like the technical way you might be listening for the studio recording for like how the sound is balanced or whatnot between the live version. But if you're listening to it for more of like the piece itself. Um, you might be listening to the live because it feels more intimate. You might be hearing um, like banter that you wouldn't be hearing otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear those intimate moments shared between um, the musician or the performer um, having with the audience that you wouldn't have captured otherwise or is only shared in that specific recorded moment. Exactly. Yeah, they're event based, aren't they? Yeah. So you have that, you know, unique interaction yeah. of that particular concert or that particular event, yeah. um, which we don't have here in this recording because of that lack of um, play with the audience or even um, even as a you know someone who recorded a lot of material Warren Tallman doesn't um, on this recording introduce it or tell us you know exactly what date it's recorded or where which was fairly typical that he he often did do that so even in our collection it becomes an unusual um, example um, I'm going to fast forward now to um 
contemporary, we're going to take us out of 1966 to the contemporary moment. Um, I want to ask you about uh, any shout outs that you have to um, poetry, sound events that are happening, um, any digital archives you want to mention um, that are maybe inspired by or related to this archive. I'm going to start with Matt. Yeah. So I, as I mentioned, the book Breath recently published by Talon Books is a is a collection from like basically the whole of, of Bill Bosett, including works that have n- never been published. So if you pick up that book, what would be great to see too is parts of this clip that we just listened to, some lines will be found in different poems in that book. And he's also been celebrating his 80th birthday and tons of events in the whole greater Toronto area, including St. Catharines, Ontario, and that are just really, I guess, commemorating his career and the amount of publications that he's done. So it's, it's really exciting. So really make sure to check out that book. And one thing I want to mention too is that idea of Penn Sound and another recording just 13 years later is making sure that like there are other places that you can also access this and compare that if you're really interested in doing that. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, Lauren, I'm going to go over to you um, as a kind of event or thing you want to mention. Cool. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the podcast Cut and Run, which is run by Brady Marks, who is a computational sound artist based in Vancouver. Um, And she also has the handle Furious Green Cloud, if you're interested in following her on social media or checking out her website, where you can go check out her computational art um, that's usually based in sound. It's very cool. Um, And the Cut and Run podcast is a focus on music and specifically like experimental music usually. Cool. Mm -hmm. That is very cool. Um, Now we're going to go over to you. We want to give a shout out. Yeah, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Canadian poet in the contemporary setting. Her name's Sarah Tolmey. I recently came across her poetry because I picked up a copy of the Griffin 2019 um, Poetry Prize and she was one of the shortlisted winners and um, her poetry is, is really is really beautiful to the contemporary setting, specifically in like contemporary issues. And yeah, she's she's super cool. Awesome. Sarah told me. Yeah. Great. Her book is The Art of Dying. The Art of Dying. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank Sounds you so optimistic. much. <laughs> um, and I'm going to give a shout out to close um, Ian Ferrier uh, of Spoken Web and much, much other fame. Uh, is going to be here in Kelowna on January 23rd. He's reading with Samuel Archibald at 7 p.m. at Cool Arts uh, Studio on Coston as part of the Inspired Word Cafe uh, series. So that should be a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to welcoming Ian to Kelowna. Um, I want to thank all of you for being here today and uh, giving some really great insights into this particular recording, uh, doing a curated close listening and uh, listening and talking. That's what this is all about. Um, I also want to thank uh, Bill Bissett for giving us permission to uh, use this particular clip and host it on our website and to the uh, estate of Warren Tallman for their permission as well. That was episode one of Soundbox Signals. You were listening to a recording by Bill Bissett from our archive called the Soundbox Collection which is housed in the UBCO AMP Lab. You can find full-length versions of our recordings online at soundbox.ok.ubc.ca. I'm your host, Kara Shearer, and I'll see you next time.
Spoken Web is a monthly podcast produced by the Spoken Web team as part of distributing the audio collected from and created using Canadian literary archival recordings found at universities across Canada. Our producers this month are Kara Shearer and Noor Salam, members of the Spoken Web team at UBC Okanagan's AMP Lab. Keep up to date with their current projects and events at amplab, that's A-M-P-L-A-B, dot ok dot ubc dot ca and subscribe to the soundbox signals podcast for more close listening with the amp lab team a special thank you to Mathieu obey nur salam and lauren st Clair for their candid discussion and contributions to this episode to find out more about spoken web visit spokenweb.ca and subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you may listen if you love us let us know Rate us and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or say hi on our social media at Spoken Web Canada. We'll see you back here next month for another episode of the Spoken Web Podcast, stories about how literature sounds. <laughs>